Lights up on a park bench. Lights up on a deck. Lights, 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 lights up. Lights up. Lights up. Lights up. A podcast by the Ensemble Theatre of Chattanooga. Lights up, listeners. Today we have a special treat for you. Gary and I spoke with John Friedman, our friend and colleague who lives on the Isle of Crete. John translated last season's play Circuit Breaker by the preeminent Ukrainian playwright Maxim Korochkin. You may remember that episode. If not, go back and give it a listen. In February, John invited ETC and Lights Up to become part of a worldwide rolling premiere of a new play penned by Belarusian playwright Andrei Kurochik. This play, Insulted Belarus, has been performed over 190 times around the world and 43 times in the United States. It has been translated over 25 times into 23 different languages, all in the last nine months. Why is it so important? Let's start with a brief timeline. In June and July of 2020, protests break out in Belarus over the arrest and jailing of three opposition candidates to the current president, Alexander Lukashenko. Lukashenko has placed these opposition candidates in jail to ensure himself a victory in the upcoming election. On August 8, 2020, the eve of the presidential election, Belarusian security forces arrest the campaign manager of the current leading opposition candidate, Svetlana Chikanovskaya, who is the wife of Sergei Chikanovsky, yet another prominent opposition candidate who was banned for running from office and jailed. On August 9, 2020, citizens of Belarus head to the polls to elect the country's president. Lukashenko is chiefly challenged by Chikanovskaya. A state television exit poll shows Lukashenko winning 79.7% of the vote, but these results are dismissed by Chikanovskaya and protesters who criticize that the election was massively rigged. Lukashenko ignores these claims and declares a landslide victory. Riot police clash with protesters in the capital of Minsk. Protests in reaction to these disputed results are reported in at least 20 other Belarusian cities, and at least 3,000 protesters are arrested across the country. During the next five days, protests break out all across Belarus, and the police are firing rubber bullets, tear gas, wounding journalists and protesters. There are more arrests and accusations of protesters being beaten by the police. On August 11th, the opposition leader Svetlana Chukonoskaya flees Belarus. More people continue to join the protests, and by August 14th, Amnesty International says widespread torture is taking place inside detention centers in Belarus, with more than 6,700 people detained since protests against Lukashenko broke out. On August 16th, tens of thousands gather to protest in the Belarusian capital, it is believed to be the largest protest in Belarusian history. On August 19, 2020, the European Union formally rejects the result of the latest presidential election in Belarus. On September 9, 2020, Andrei Kurechik finishes Insulted Belarus, the play you are about to hear. On the 17th of September, 2020, readings of the play begin being live streamed. On September 23, 2020, spontaneous protests broke out in Minsk after an unannounced inauguration ceremony of Lukashenko's took place. Authorities fire tear gas, deploy water cannons, and arrest more than 150 protesters from that gathering. Hey, everybody. It's Gary, the producer for Lights Up. Ensemble Theater of Chattanooga's new podcast for playwrights, performers, and patrons of theater. I wanted to see if you've heard about Anchor. Anchor, the platform that's hosting our podcast. If you haven't heard about Anchor yet, well, I am happy to be the first to tell you about it. It is free. F-R-E-E. That's right, free. Um, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit 
your podcast right from your computer uh, or your phone. And Anchor will distribute the podcast that you create so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts from. And you know what else? It doesn't cost you anything, but you can make money from your podcast and you don't even have to have a minimum listenership. That's right. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So do like we did. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's Anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R, or Anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R.fm to get started and create your podcast. I was curious if you could just catch everybody up to speed on uh, the conflict that's going on over in Belarus and yeah. sort of how you got involved with it. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, it came about because of a, an election on August 9 of last year, last fall, August 9, 2020. And there was like a day or two left for candidates to uh, register to run against them. And Tikhanovsky, Sergei Tikhanovsky's wife, Svetlana Tikhanovskaya, said, I'm going to run and place my husband. We've got all the signatures. I'm just going to, I'm just going to put my own name. I'm just, we've got all the signatures. I'm just going to put my name in there. And Lukashenko thought nothing of it. He's you know, just a you know, housewife. Well, who's she? Nobody knows who she is. Nobody's ever heard of her. She's just this guy's wife. She sits at home with the kids. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a little bit of Lukashenko for you. And he's thinking, he's thinking, yeah, he says, yeah, we throw all these guys. Who cares about her? That's not going to be any problem. Well, you know, cutting to the chase, August, uh, she starts drawing, you know, rock star crowds. Uh, she joins together with representatives, representatives of two other candidates that are in prison, and they're all women. So there's these three women leading this, uh, this protest movement through the summer and uh, into, well, into the late summer uh, last year. And uh, they start drawing unbelievable crowds. And uh, Lukashenko was stuck. Uh, you know, he, he had allowed it. It was all legit. He's a dictator. Yeah, he kills people. Yeah, he throws people in prison. But even dictators, you know, sometimes have their hands tied. And, and he was, you know, he had allowed this. He was stuck. And anyway, who cares? We're, you know, he's going to falsify the election anyway. So who gives a damn in the end, right? Um, and uh, election day comes. And by all accounts, uh, Tikhanovska got 65, 70% of the vote. Um, in some places, like in Minsk, in the big cities, 80, 90%. Uh, Lukashenko got very, very little in some places as low as 10, 13 percent. Uh, and uh, it was very clear that she, she, she whooped him. I mean, she just, she beat the hell out of him. Of course, he couldn't allow it. Um, and the court, of course, he, he, he announced that he had won with uh, 70 percent of the vote, it was 72 or 82. I don't even remember the number now. Um, and people who had been made active throughout the summer by Tikhanovskaya and the three women, the other two women she was working with, they immediately went out, out on the streets in enormous numbers. I mean, you know, we're talking hundreds of thousands of people in a small country pouring out into uh, virtually every major city. And uh, at first, Lukashenko didn't know what to do. And then he started to crack down. And the more he cracked down, the more people came out. And this was going on through August. Um, and the revolution was building steam. He was cracking down. More and more people were coming out. There was, there was torture, people being thrown in prison, just the people were being herded and thrown into a, into a torture prison. Um, 
and they just kept coming out anyway. I mean, it was an extraordinary, extraordinary thing to see. You don't see this happen in the world very often. Uh, it was really, 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 and the vast majority of a nation stood up and said, no, we're not going to go along with this. Well, I was following it for all kinds of reasons. One of the main reasons uh, being, of course, that, you know, I, I have worked my whole life in the, in the sphere of Russian culture, and Belarus is, is right there, right next to Russia. Uh, uh, whatever happens to Lukashenko has a huge impact on, whatever hap on what happens to Putin in Russia. So for me, you know, it's, it's not Russia, but it might as well be. It was, for me, it was a, it was a, a, a professional and personal interest. And I was following it mostly because the Western news people were not following it, really. I was following it through a, um, several kinds of blogs, a, a vlog, blog um, by Andrei Kurechik, one of the top Belarusian writers. Uh, he's a playwright, screenwriter, director, producer, uh, very well known, very popular. And he was uh, doing very popular posts uh, on, on uh, social media. And I was following through him largely what was going on. The playwright, right? This is the playwright. That's right. For That's right. He's the guy who, who, okay, yeah. uh, Andrei Kurechik is the guy who, to write a play. Uh, I did not know this. <clears throat> I'm following his blogs and blogs. I'm following the situation in Belarus. And I'm getting this, this kind of antsy feeling that I get when I'm watching this kind of thing happen. You know, I'm sitting on the sidelines. I don't like sitting on the sidelines. I... To sum it up, fraudulent election, right? Yes. And Lukashenko was in power for 26 years. Is that That's correct? Right. And That's can right. you speak a little bit on what life was like in Belarus for those 26 years and why people may have wanted a new leader and were not going to take right. this anymore? Right. Right. Well, uh, in virtually every election, as I said, you know, the opposition figures are all thrown in prison before the election. I mean, that's that's one sign that things mm -hmm. are, are not good. Uh, people are disappeared uh, uh, all the time. Journalists, uh, activists, uh, they disappear. Um, people are harassed, tortured, killed. Um, uh, uh, perhaps not in enormous numbers. But, you know, when you start talking about torture, murder, prison, you know, you don't have to put the numbers up very high to realize, you know, this is not a good government. Uh, right. the, famous, the famous free theater of Minsk uh, was driven out of the country. Uh, it went into exile and it, it exists in, wow. in uh, England now and has for many years. Um, and uh, so that was another one of the things that the, the Lukashenko regime did. It was arresting all of the the, uh, the members of the theater, and so the, the founders uh, and a few other people got out, recreated the theater in London, and, and have been very successful. And they're and they're being they're taking a, a great deal of um, participation. They're participating in in the revolution now from London. Gotcha. So um, a lot of censorship. It sounds like not much free oh, speech. Sure. Um, yeah. Kind of maybe even what we think about with like North Korea, like having to revere government, not speaking out. That kind of that's the situation we were dealing with. Basically. Right. It was it, okay. was. it was basically an old. It was basically you know like the old Soviet Union. You know, you turn on the mm -hmm. TV at night and you hear about the the uh, harvest. The harvest is really good this year. You know, I mean, that's, you know, that's the number one story and, 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 you know, nothing about anything going on in the world, nothing about anything going on in the country. Um, so it was, uh, yeah, it was a, a straight um, a dictatorship. Uh, I, I'll just add that my wife, who is an actor uh, and director, she was in Minsk, uh, it was probably about 10 years ago now. And uh, they were doing, somebody was doing an interview with her, a local news station was doing an interview with her, and the reporter came in before the interview started and whispered and said, please, when you go back to Moscow, please tell people that people are disappearing here. Journalists are disappearing. Wow. People are disappearing off the streets. We never hear from them again. There, is, there are terrible things going on in this country. Nobody knows about them. I want you to, to know that. I want you to hear that. I want you to talk about it when you go back. But now, let's talk about your show that you've come to Minsk with, you know. And, and uh, so, it, you know, that was 10 years ago. 
uh, so it's it's been going on the whole time. It's Great. been going on the whole time. And so now we have this election where it's clear that people have chosen a new leader, a, a woman, a female leader, which we're going to get into some of the parallels yeah. perhaps of what's been happening in this country, but the misogyny runs deep, runs globally, very clearly, right. did not see right. a woman as a threat. Right. Well, the, the, um, uh, yeah, yeah. The, I mean, the, the quote was, he made, you know, it was a public quote. He said, well, you know, he said well, she's a housewife. What do I have to worry about her? At this point, we have a new uh, leader elected, but uh, the current <laughs> power says, nope, not her. And people are protesting. And so now uh, take us to the birth of the play and your involvement with that. Right. I'm going to jump back one step very briefly. Sure. Because I, I missed a very important point is that within a day or two of the, of the stolen election, they hauled Tichanovskaya, the, the woman who actually won the election, the, the Belarus KGB, called her into their offices and, and gave her uh, the uh, choice of leaving the country quietly, uh, saying, admitting that she lost the election and leaving the country quietly, or terrible things were going to happen. I, nobody knows what those terrible things are. The terrible things that are mentioned in the play, I do believe those are uh, uh, um, creative license. I don't think that uh, the, you know the removal of a testicle. I don't. I don't think that is uh, proven that that was said to her, but it doesn't matter. It, terrible things were said to her. Uh, I remember. I believe hearing that you know there were threats against her children that, that her children would not ever see adulthood. And, that doesn't uh, surprise me. So, so she um, she left. She quietly left. She let them deport her uh, that day, and so she was now. She's now out of the country. You know. And so uh, Lukashenko is now fighting not against her, but against her supporters. And Andre is writing this play. I don't know about that. But as I said, I, 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 I want to get involved somehow. I want to bring the I want to bring what is going on to the attention of the world because I I'm watching CNN. I'm watching everybody. There's no news. Uh, well, I could probably I could probably get uh, American Theater Magazine to run a piece on on the, the impact of the revolution on Belarusian theater. So um, I asked Andre if he would be willing to write an article like that. He said, I'd love to. I wrote to, the, to American Theater, wrote the article that right then, sent me the article the next morning. I transmitted wow. it right now. <laughs> I sent it off to New York uh, in an email, and six hours later it was up on the website on American Theater. They, they had responded very well, and they, and they put that up. So now Andre and I kind of have a working relationship, if you will. I mean... It's not just me following his blog. He knows that I'm interested. He knows that I'm taking part. And uh, so before, so before this, you had no involvement. I, I used to run into him at festivals, right? Gary. Um, you know, it, it was you right. know, we, it was a it was a tip of the hat uh, friendship, if you will. Hey, how are you doing, Andrea? Good to see you, John. And you know, we'd each go on our way. We knew each other, uh, uh, but uh, we we weren't friends. Uh, 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 we never worked together, no. Uh, my wife had worked with him. She staged one of his plays. Um, uh, but that was, you know, about 10 years ago. But I had not. I, I just, I mean, we knew of each other and that was, that was it. And so, yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, it happens on September 9th, and I remember it because the, the, the time was recorded on Messenger when it came in, when the, when the note from Andre came in. It was at uh, uh, 3.15, it was at 3.15 in the, in the afternoon, I got an email from Andre saying, I've just finished the play, um, I wonder if you might be interested in translating it, and if you could get a few readings organized in the West. Well, I, I didn't even read the play, I mean, I knew... I knew this was important. I had, you know, I'd been following. I was, I was inside the, the topic. I was inside of it. <laughs> and I knew that this was going to be important. And I wanted to, and I wanted to act now. So I immediately sent off 10 emails, six emails. I sent off six emails to old colleagues uh, in, in England, Ireland, the U.S., and Within 10 minutes, all six had written back and said, we want to do a reading of this play. 
And I go, oh boy, okay, now I've got to sit down and translate the thing. <laughs> um, and, you know, everybody's sitting there, well, they're ready to do it. They want to do it. I've got to translate it. Uh, it's it's not an easy play to do. There's a lot of Belarusian uh, slang in it. There's a lot of mixed languages. Um, there's a lot of things that you can't do in, in a Western play anymore. Uh, the, there's a lot of, you know, slurs. Um, and I'm and, and it's tough. And so I'm, I'm, I, I did a first draft, which was a very bad draft. It was very rough. It was all first choice stuff, you know, it was all first choice stuff. And, and what I usually do when I translate is I do something, set it aside for two weeks, come back to it, work on it, set it aside for another two weeks, come back to it. I let things percolate. I let my mind, you know, come at it from a different angle. I let the play kind of sit there and percolate on its own. <clears throat> I didn't have the chance to do that this time. I just had to get this thing out there. So I sent... Uh, as I, I, it took three days to translate the play, and by the time I sent it out, I was sending out 20 copies to 20 theaters, wow. not the six original. By that time, 14 more people had come on board. Um, and uh, to make a long story short, because you know you could you could play this game forever. By August, we had about 80 readings. Uh, August by October, by October, the end of October. We had about 80 readings in six or seven countries. <clears throat> we currently have, we've been doing it now for nine months. We currently have <clears throat> approximately 125 readings <clears throat> in 30 countries in 21 different languages, 23 different translations, Polish and and Hungarian, and actually, uh, we, we just have another one now, uh, Spanish. We have two translations into these languages. Um, it has been extraordinarily successful. Mm. Uh, there have been over, I call events, because there's so much more than readings that go on with this thing. People have been organizing conferences and webinars and seminars and and doing interviews and and. Uh, Publishing, ten of the translations have been published. There have been publications, and so I have. I also count events. You know, anything that, like any event that happens in connection with the readings of this play, I count. And we have over 190 events, 125 readings, 30 countries. You know, blah blah blah. Uh, so Andre must, uh, Andre must be very pleased. Um, and uh, you, it sounds like you kind of spearheaded this for pushing it out to other countries. Um, what's the ripple back been to him? We did we did this together, uh, and and the uh, uh, we've worked pretty much independently. We don't sit and coordinate. It's you know I just do everything I can. He does everything he can. Uh, the first few readings were done in Ukraine. He organized all of those. He had a lot of he has a lot of uh, uh, colleagues in Ukraine, um, and then once the U.S. started doing stuff, uh, I had organized most of the U.S. We've had you guys are going to be the 44th, I believe, reading in the U.S. Um, uh, there had been 43 up to now, oh, and exciting. you guys are going to be the 44th. That's Henry Aaron's number, you know, that's that's a good number. <laughs> a good number, <laughs> um, and. Uh, uh, so uh, we just both just we both followed the leads that we have, um, and uh, then the cool thing started happening is that people started contacting us. You know, somebody heard from somebody else. We hear you have a play. We'd like you know we've heard it's really interesting. Could you send it? You know, or somebody sent me a copy of the play and we love it. Can we do a reading? And that's how, you know, three readings showed up in Hong Kong. Somebody sent them the stuff and they wrote to us and said they wanted to do it. There's, you know, there was a reading in Nigeria. Uh, there, you know, it's, it's astonishing that the, uh, the guy in Nigeria who did the reading, uh, uh, Jerry Adaweso, he, you know, wrote this beautiful text in which he's, you know, he talked about the importance of the play and bringing the story of Belarus to him and to his theater and his public and uh, how powerful it was, this, that, and the other thing. And then he said the key phrase at the end, which I've heard from an awful lot of people, 
and I'm actually hearing from you guys too. You haven't quite said it yet, but I'm hearing it. Between the lines, he said, this is a play about Nigeria. Well, um, this is, you know, this whole, this whole thing was going on as the, the American presidential elections were coming up as you know the brexit thing was that the, the brexit farce was playing itself out in in england and so people in all over the u.s were saying oh my god this is this is what we're going through and people in the uk were going this is what we're going through people in hong kong were going this is what we're going through yeah i was gonna, gonna say you brought up hong kong and i hadn't thought about it until you brought it up but it makes total sense. Anyone who's been following that, they've been fighting for their independence from China, who's trying to take them back. And that whole thing, and as you were saying, yeah, someone from Hong Kong reached out, I went, oh my God, of course. And this is a great pivot into what Gary and I were were kind of discussing last. Well, I was gonna just echo John, when you sent me the email back in, I guess it was like February or whatever, I didn't read the play immediately. I just said, yeah, we're gonna do it, <laughs> you know? So I, I, that's a testament, I guess, to, to the kind of material that you produce. Um, but I was really excited about it when I actually read it, but I thought that, I was like, this is, this is, you know, theatricalized it's a play it's this isn't real you know or it's like it's it's uh, a bloated reality right and then i got to thinking i was like i mean you know that's that that, that's not it doesn't happen like that right you know and then i started digging into the play and was like oh my god now i feel very insulated over here in america and, and very privileged i guess you know and then talking with dana she was like yeah but if you think about what's happened in our country over the last year it's it's you know right there in the same parallel with what's going on over there maybe not quite as bad but even it, it i guess that's relative you know bad is relative right you know we had we had the coup on on the capitol back on the 6th of january i mean you, you know, think even george as, floyd yeah stuff even as far back as charlottesville black lives matter nothing of a presidential candidate who loses the election and says i won <laughs> well and and the other thing that was I was absolutely going mad over is uh, I think that a, probably most people, whether they are in a true democracy or not, and I, you know, I wonder what actually is a true democracy anymore, but, <laughs> um, you know, the, the observers and how those details were put in the play. And I think back to our most current election in this country, where in one state, they're screaming, recount the votes, do it in a, in a glass building. And in another state, in the same freaking country, they're going, you can't count those votes. They're, you know, it was like, I was dying when, when we have um, cheerful saying, well, because yeah. of COVID, we have to stand outside, but everybody else can go in, but we can't go in. And they taped up the windows, but only on that. And I was dying because I was like, oh my God, it just goes to speak about how universal power and the need for power is, the the misogyny <laughs> that's yeah. running through it that we've seen yeah. in various yeah. countries. And, and it's just... It does. I mean, to what Gary said, I think many people can feel very insulated in their state, in their city, in their country. And this is such a beautiful reminder of what theater can do. Absolutely. And, and, and on a global level of true events. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, even we were comparing and contrasting because I'm down in Chattanooga, Tennessee, which is, you know, Bible Belt country and Dana's up in New York City. And so her perspective on what's been going on in the country is different than my perspective because of our geographic location, you know. And uh, but Dana made the point, like, if someone wrote a play about all of the things that had happened in America in the last year, people from another country might look at it and go, oh, that's theater it's theatricalized it's not true and we're like no 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 it's exactly true that's exactly how it happened and so you know to, to have had that experience with um insulted belarus was just a it was phenomenal for me and again it's why you know projects like this excite me as a producer because it's an opportunity for me to grow too to jump ahead a little bit um and i'll jump back to tell the where the story starts and i'll sure. try to get to uh, the present and future uh relatively quickly, uh, I reached out to a friend in Chile and he wrote back and he said, well, I'm stuck right now in Mexico because of COVID. I had to, I had to escape Chile, 
because we were having protests and, and I was going to be arrested. And, and he said, they, you know, they put out the eyes of 400 protesters, 400 protesters had had their eyes put out by the Chilean government. It was a very brutal uh, crackdown. Uh, he escaped the country, got to Mexico, COVID hit. He was stuck, got COVID. And, and he said, I, I, can't, I just can't do it. He said, I'm just, you know, I'm not capable of doing it. But he said, that is a play about Chile, <laughs> as I've said about it. And, you know, he, when he wrote that to me, I thought, oh, my God, because I'd already heard this from Nigeria. I'd heard it from Hong Kong. I'd heard it from the U.K. I heard it from all over the U.S. Um, and I thought, oh, my God. In fact, what we are looking at is we are looking at a project beyond Insulted Belarus. And there is going to be a project called Insulted World. Yeah. And I and I and the cool part the cool part about this is the cool part of I I I floated this idea with several people in in London and and somewhere else and a couple of places in, in the in the U S and everybody was like oh this is a great idea this is a great idea and I thought well I'm going to get to that at some point right now I'm still pretty busy with insulted Belarus but I feel as though I owe it to the world because the world responded to insulted Belarus I get a letter from William Wong from Wong Kakui in Hong Kong two months ago. And William Wong says, you know, he says, your, your project has had such an impact on me. He said, it's changed my life. Uh, he said, I, I see the world differently now. And, and I realize that the world is smaller than I used to think. And I realize it's far more connected than I used to think. And he said, this has, made, this has had an enormous impact on me. And he said, I have instituted here in Hong Kong a project that I'm going to call Insulted Hong Kong. And I am having, I have commissioned plays from 10 Hong Kong playwrights to write 30 minute plays about Insulted Hong Kong. And there yeah, will be a, there will be a, a festival and competition. Um, and I just, you know, I, I went, oh my God. And my first reaction, it's some other time in my life. Shit, he's doing it before I did it. And that was not at all my reaction because I have become, I have become such, all I care about is getting the, the, the thing out there. It's all I care about. And I was like, oh my God, it's happening already and I haven't even started. <laughs> it's already happening. And, and, <laughs> That's and amazing. This, he's going to be that doing so this amazing. In, in July, I believe. And so, uh, Gary, you're going to get uh, you're going to get some insulted Hong Kong plays, and uh, because because I you know I can't wait I can't wait yeah there's been a lot going on over there yes yeah and and I'm also going to use that you know I'm going to use that to start getting people to think about writing you know insulted Portland uh, in, in the U S oh gonna have yeah to at least, it's going to have to be at least by state if not by city. <laughs> you know, yep. Some countries can do one, one per, per country. Yeah. The U.S. is going to require one per state or per city. So you're going to have insulted, you know, Portland, per city, yeah. insulted Nigeria, uh, insulted Hong Kong. Yeah. And, and of New course, York, it's not yeah. going to have the, the response that insulted Belarus has had. That was, that was an extraordinary, unbelievable a virtually impossible thing that happened, and I can talk about it briefly in a minute, and, and I will. It's worth it if we still have the time. Um, but, you know, even if we can get, you know, to go back to Andre's original idea, a few readings in the West, if we can get a few readings of insulted Hong Kong plays, a, a few readings of insulted Chile, if I can get my friend to write his own play, Insulted Chile, and we can get a few readings, translations and readings, then, you know, you have this whole, we'll, we will have this whole project that grew out of Insulted Belarus. And the, it, will, it will be a, a legacy for Andres' play and for Insulted Belarus that makes it even greater. Because it not only brought the, the world to Belarus, but it's going to bring the world to the world as well. So, you know, I'm not megalomaniac, you know, but it, it's, it's, true that there is a really big project hiding in, in, in all of this. Do you have an insulted Venezuela? Because no, they've had some uh, shit going on. I wonder if Moises would write something. 
if you have if you have connections with people, you know, we, we I do want to start putting this together in terms of you know kind of a a, um, a philosophy. I want to have a, a brief philosophy. I want to have a brief explanation of the project. I don't want to just jump into it the way I did with Insult of Belarus and the project. You know. The project ran me, it ran us. Uh, Andre and I did not run this project. This baby, yeah. you know, it just took off and we were just yeah. we were we were just hanging on, you know, just the best we could hang on. Right. Well it's it's fascinating what you said about uh, William over in Hong Kong because one of the things that I was thinking about this, you know, I I, I do sometimes feel like, I know myself anyway, I, I isolate myself from current events, especially in other countries, because it's just so far removed from who I am, uh, you know, from where I am, that it, I have so much on my mind to worry about it besides that. And then to hear, to hear him say that it's made me realize yeah. the world is so much smaller than I thought yeah. it was, I'm having the same experience. Because I'm going, gosh, I, I, I feel a little guilty for not knowing exactly what was going on. And then as I read yeah. this, all I yeah. want to do is learn more about it. You know, I want to follow the story. I want to, yeah. and now I want to be a part of this movement. Um, and yeah. and that's yeah. just exciting. Well, that's we will really definitely exciting, be talking so. about that because you're one of the people that I'm, I'm thinking of in terms of, you know, organizing uh, companies, if you will. Um, there have been several people, uh, there's a woman at the University of Illinois who, like many people, and this is not hyperbole, this is, I'm, I actually get these emails. Again, you have changed my life. You and your project have changed my life. I do not look at the world the way I And I, I want to get her involved in that. I want to get these people whose lives have been changed by Andre's play. And I want to get them to kind of create the the, you know, the the basis for a continuation of the project which goes bigger and, and I think it's very exciting I think it's very important I, I must say I have my most of my life I'm, I'm gonna turn 67 tomorrow <laughs> um, happy early birthday, oh, happy birthday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I have spent my whole life uh, not really being a fan of politics and art uh, and the older I get, the more I realize that is uh, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. It's like the it's like the phrase, "Oh, I don't do politics." You you can't not do politics because you you don't do politics. Politics are going to do you anyway. You know, politics are going to do you. <laughs> so if you don't do politics, that means that you are turning away from something that is going to be doing you from you know whatever angle it wants to do it from, um, and. Uh, uh, I have I have become you know I I, I don't demand uh, politics in in the art that I consume. Uh, uh, I, I'm I'm as much of a sucker for a beautiful picture or you know a, a beautiful acting job as anybody. But when there is a you know a heavy, hard, serious dose of the truth about the life the the life we live in the world we live in in the in the art, boy. I, I must say that really makes it far more valuable to me now. Uh, yeah, can we talk a little bit about that? That was one of the things Gary and I wanted to talk about is to bring it back to theater and why why theater as a medium is so special and important and perhaps doing something that other mediums could not do with this issue. Um, how, how, and we started to talk about this so yeah, why theater itself is is so important and is making such a big impact with this, and maybe a little bit more about that marriage of like politics influencing theater and our theater is theater influencing politics. What that marriage is like. Let let's let's dive deeper into that. I think. Well, I will bit. start. I will start by basically quoting something I've heard Andre say over and over and over again at at uh, talkbacks. Um, and that is that uh, theater is emotions. I'm quoting Andre now. Theater is emotions. Theater works with emotions. It works on the emotions. Uh, and emotions, quoting Andre, 
are the best way to reach a human heart and mind. That is all part of the, the, the play. And it's done, it's put together in an incredibly simple, seemingly simple way that starts out as just a series of monologues. But as the play progresses, you begin to realize that he's dropped a name here, he's dropped a word there that ties in the characters in a way you didn't realize at first. And all of a sudden, and we're like, oh, oh, that's, and we don't see her, but now I know, oh, that's how they're connected. Until towards the end, virtually everybody in some way, shape, or form has been intertwined with the others through some sort of uh, good thing or some sort of evil thing. People have all, in, in, in some way, have been brought together. And mm -hmm. it, it's done in a... Yeah, which is... I, yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Gary. Oh, I was just going to say, that's exactly how I feel globally. Like, you know, the way that William is talking about in Hong Kong, you know, by the end of the play, you're entwined in what's going on around you beyond your borders, you know? Uh, and that's that's fascinating. So you're right. The the structure and the architecture of the play that Andre created is is superb in that way. It doesn't force your hand. It doesn't manipulate you. You know, it presents facts and then lets you make the connections. And that that to me was one of the strongest things about the play. Yeah, and of course that is that is uh, what goes into great theater writing is is when there is nothing forced. When when a when a writer allows an audience to recognize and reveal the play to themselves for themselves. That is always what goes into great writing for theater. But this place will this play will last much, 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 much longer than memory of the Belarus Revolution. Because it captures uh, it captures human nature, it captures the traps that people fall into. It, it captures the traps that politics grab us in, and it does all of that in this way that is relatively simple. It's actually there waiting for you to come eat out of its hands, but, but you have to pick your way through all of the stuff to get to the end. And by the time you get to the end, you're going, wow, I'm really proud of myself. You know, you're patting yourself on the back for having done such a good job of, of following what this guy did. And of course, as a playwright, he has led you, you know, Step after step after step, it's a masterful job. Really. Oh no, this is like, yeah, it is. It's it's a great, it's a great. Uh, his contribution to what this is, his his part of the contribution to this project and this play is palpable, yet not uh, overwhelming. So that as a director or an actor, you come in and you get to explore it even further without damaging the story. And again, that's just that's a that that's just a testament to. To strong, powerful writing, you and know? and so, it it just anyway. humanizes these intangibles of politics and power and foreign names and countries and whatnot, and then you're left with, as you said, you know, people, the audience patting themselves on the back, and those people who say, "I don't do politics," well, now they just did politics, right? They have they have no choice but to do politics after this play. I think because it is humanized and. Perhaps that's my my takeaway is that theater does that to people in a way that a book and even a movie, maybe a song doesn't always do. But this is so, even through Zoom, right? Even through a script, there's something so humanizing and, and makes something so tangible that I think it's surprising, but not surprising that this movement has taken off this way from a play and not from a book and not from a, a, a you know a right we do see clips go viral but there's something about this that has gone way broader than like you said you could have anyone could have imagined and I think I think that theatricality has something to do with that in absolutely. there absolutely there's, there's no there's no doubt about it and you know I I have watched virtually every reading, and do you know, it never takes more than the first minute to suck me in, and I'm hanging on the edge of my chair watching because Andre is right, because, because it really does touch the emotions. 
It really does grab your heart, and it really does pull you in. His characters really pull you in. You know, they are, they, you, you feel for them. You, you, you hear their pain. You hear their worries. Uh, you, you start to, to, to tremble as they begin to tremble at, at what might happen. And uh, it's, it's, uh, there has not been a single reading that has not made me cry. Every single reading wow. has, at one point, has, has, has put me over the emotional edge because it's such an emotional place. And it's almost always different places. This is, this, is, this is one of the things about great plays. You know, little bits and pieces can all of a sudden become the most important thing, can become the essence of. I don't think, I mean, I, of course that phrase, give me back my daughter, is a very strong phrase. It's a very strong moment in the play. You realize that that essentially is the play. Give me back my daughter. Give me back my children. Give me back my son. Give me back my country. Give me back my daughter. Give me back my parents. Give, you know, whoever has been stolen, whoever has been tortured, whoever has been murdered, whoever has been disappeared, give me back my daughter. And it becomes, that becomes the, the whole plea of the whole play. And it is incredibly powerful. Yeah. John, we have about 10 minutes left. And I think there's probably two topics that Gary and I wanted to try and hit on. One was if you could give us um, an update on Andre. Um, what is going, like, is the safety of him and his family? How is everything with him? Where are we with that? If you could tell us about that. And then I'm sure... There are a couple little moments in the play. Uh, hopefully all of our listeners do some research, but I'd love to kind of fact check or act, uh, ask if this was dramatized or real for a couple moments, if, if we could do that in these last few moments with, that we right. have you. Right. Uh, Andre is safe. Uh, his uh, middle son or old, eldest son, I'm not, I'm not really sure, to be honest with you. He's 13 or 14 years old, th this son, is, uh, is with him and safe in Slovakia. Uh, there were uh, Slovakia, uh, Slovakian scholars and diplomats uh, went to extraordinary lengths to get him permission uh, to stay in Slovakia, to give him a job so that he had something to, to, uh, to, to live on, gave, got him an apartment, and, and they just, they went really uh, overboard and, and gave him a tremendous amount of help. He was very close, my understanding is he was very close to getting his wife and other four children. He has five children. Uh, okay. There have been two marriages, so there's five kids from, two, from a couple of marriages, but they're all his kids. Um, uh, they were on the verge of getting them out when this insane hijacking of the journalist, the blogger, what they call the blogger, he's a journalist, uh, it took place, and, and he was forced into Minsk, and they've been torturing him ever since. Um, yeah, I was reading about that and the the sort of like forced confession yeah. that they they made him do in front of his colleagues, and they all walked out because they were like, right, "This is ridiculous." Right, right. With, yeah. with with the torture marks on his hand and on his neck. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, uh, so that completely. My understanding is that that completely destroyed all of the progress that had been made. They were coming close to getting permission for Andre's family to leave. His his children have been targets at school. Teachers are accusing them of being the children of a traitor. Uh, his father is getting calls from the, the KGB. His family is not in a good place in Minsk. Um, and Andre does not share uh, daily information like that with me, uh, and I don't ask him. Um, right. uh, I figure if he wants to share it, then he'll share it. And if he, if he doesn't want to share it, then that means he doesn't need to share it. Uh, but what I've just told you is, is, is basically where we are now, back to zero, uh, back to the starting point in uh, getting his family out. And there is no... Um, real way forward scene right now uh, because most lines of communication between Belarus and the rest of the world have been cut off. You know, there's no flights going in and out. Uh, I think a few trains still go in and out, and I think you can walk out. 
uh, you know, you can you can get to uh, a border uh, post and you can walk out if you if they'll let you. Uh, I don't, you know, his family, his his wife, father, and children would not be allowed to walk out right now. There will have to be okay. some sort of diplomatic uh, agreement by which uh, the the Belarusian government gives them grudgingly, certainly, certainly they'll do it grudgingly, uh, permission to leave. We're not there yet, and 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 we don't know when we'll be there. Yeah, there are some moments in the play. I mean, I Gary, you probably have a couple. One I'm most curious about is with Mentor and that whole counting of the votes and look, here are the numbers to memorize. Right. This is the pile. This is the pile. The rest we're going to call null and void. And um, the mentor talks about too, like I've 80% and, and going on the 80% and we've rigged your elections for years, blah, 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 blah. Of course, we know that she turns once they have her daughter. But there is mention in the play of someone, right? And there, it's like, uh, you get the sense that she's training like millennials, basically, right? <laughs> Your 30-something brain, she says. Yeah. Um, but there's this sense, there's a mention of like someone filming that right. training right. speech that she does and that yes, it gets right. leaked. Did uh, that right. happen? Do we yes, have footage of yes, that? Yes, it did. And that, and that uh, those phrases, uh, those scenes uh, are largely docu documentary phrases. They... Uh, the, the the character that the, that the mentor uh, is com you know is criticizing, complaining about being you know too young, you know you thirty something. She was the one that indeed did record it. She did put it on YouTube, uh, and and the, the the comments you know you're a traitor, uh, and, you know and all of that stuff. Those were those were all real comments. Uh, that is all actual. That is all real. There is a great deal of Lukashenko's. Uh, 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 dialogue, which is which is drawn from actual speeches, comments that he made, um, and there's a, a lot of that. I I, I don't know the the uh, uh, whether it's 50 percent, whether it's 60, whether it's 40. I don't know, and it doesn't really matter because even when Andre is quoting, he's he's of course he's 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 still editing, you know, he's still cleaning it up, and he's he's still putting in what needs to be there for the play. But yes, a great deal of the play. I've heard Andre say, you know, different things. But my, uh, I feel safe in quoting him and saying that about half of the play is from actual comments that people have made. Um, uh, the, the the comments by Tikhanovskaya are are mm -hmm. largely things that she actually said. The comments by Lukashenko, the dialogue of Lukashenko, is largely uh, stuff that he has said. There is uh, an added scene. He added it after uh, he wrote the play, sent it to me, and then a couple of days later added the scene, if you remember, where the son is talking about his mother uh, uh, in, in, uh, when she, when she yes. gave birth. Lukashenko wanted to get rid of her and the child and everything. That is actually virtually verbatim uh, from a text that actually a woman did write uh, about Lukashenko's uh, mother. And uh, that is that is largely real. Um, wow. uh, uh, so there's a good deal of, of stuff that's real. There's certain things that obviously can't be real, um, uh, but even those things are colored. You know, he was he was following the news. He was listening to stuff. You know, 24/7. His he was steeped in in the words that were being thrown around in the phrases, the, 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 the problems that were arising. And he was letting that go through him and it was coming out in this play. Um, and so there is a great deal that's real. That does not mean by any way, shape or form that it is lesser. <laughs> oh, it, no, it no, 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 no. It is less powerful or less important or less insightful because uh, yeah, he he put that all together with a wizard's, uh, uh, you know, a, a magician's wand. Yeah, I would argue that it makes it more powerful because he took right. these events and cut right to the core emotion of them. In, right. in my opinion, it, it makes yeah. I think think it gives it a lot of weight. Um, I was just curious about some of those details that, like Gary said, you're like, oh my god, did that. It was really filmed. They really did that. You know, I was thinking about the white bracelets and I was like, oh, it, it, 
it, it is astonishing in the truest sense of the yeah. word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I, just really quickly, Corpse, you, uh, he is named as Nikita Mitskevich in the script. And so I just, as a whim, once I realized Lukashenko and, 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 and the mentor were, or the, the novice were based on, I was like, let me just see what this name brings up in Google. And he says, this, is a, this name belongs to a 26-year-old professional hockey huh. player from huh. Belarus. And, and I was like, okay, that's interesting. So I, I started digging around that. He has no ties to what's going on with the conflict, but then there is a Mitskevich that comes up whose name is Timur, T-I-M-U-R, and he goes through exactly what the corpse goes through, you know, as far as all of the torture and all the whatever, he's now in hiding because of his life. He's 16 years old, 17 years old, you know, but they've, but he's still alive, but, and I was like, I, is that name, is there, is there something about that Mitskevich, or is that I've just... I've never heard Andre mention, I've never heard Andre mention these Mitskeviches that you mentioned. Uh, uh, he mentions uh, Tarajkovsky. Uh, I've forgotten, I hate to say it, I've forgotten his first name, but he was the first protester that was killed. Uh, he was, Alexandra, he, yeah. Alexandra Tarajkovsky. He was, he was the first one, and that's, he is the one that Andre, for himself, had in mind as he was writing that character. But, you know, names come from, I just assume, you know, Mickiewicz uh, is, is one of the great Polish writers, one of the great Polish poets, and I just thought that Andre was playing with that. But you have gone deeper, and you have found, uh, you have found more, and so chances are, chances are you're, you're closer to the truth than I. But that's one of the wonderful things about art, is, you know, you, you, know, you, you drop little, you, you know, you drop the breadcrumbs, and then, you know, a bunch of birds come in and take half of them. So you're left only picking up half. You know, whether you get out of the woods or not, you know, it's up to your brain, not just the, the, uh, the, the breadcrumbs. <laughs> but every single reading is completely different. Every single one I have seen is not just different, completely different. That is a, that is a testament to the play that it is a live text, that it is a living text that gives people something to really chew on and work with. And it is also just a, a testament to the, the art of theater, which is just endless and, you know, it, it has this incredible power. Uh, it's very exciting, actually. <laughs> yeah. June 22nd to hear the first act of Insulted Belarus by Andrei Kuryechik, translated by John Friedman and performed by the Ensemble Theater of Chattanooga. On June 24th, Act 2 will be available. Regularly scheduled programming for Lights Up will start back on June 28th with Black, White, and Red All Over by Daniel Perlman. Lights Up is a podcast produced by the Ensemble Theatre of Chattanooga, a 501c3 nonprofit independent theatre company located in southeast Tennessee. Lights Up is hosted by Christy Gallo and Dana Colagiovanni. Sound by Eric Red Wyatt. Graphics by Jamie Goodnight. And Casey Keelan as the associate producer. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, copied, or presented without the expressed written consent of the Ensemble Theatre of Chattanooga. The plays presented on this podcast are protected by all national and international copyright laws. If you are interested in producing any of the plays featured on Lights Up, contact us and we will get you in touch with the playwright. If you would like your play considered for a future episode or would like to be an actor or a reader, 
please shoot us a message at lightsup at ensembletheaterofchattanooga.com. As a nonprofit, ETC relies on donations and the goodwill of patrons and supporters like you. If you would like to make a one-time donation to ETC, please visit our website for details. Or you can become a monthly subscriber on Patreon and get access to exclusive content. You can also support us by giving us a like and rating this podcast. Lights Up is hosted by Anchor, a Spotify company. The easiest way to make a podcast.